As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Welcome to the Steelers Outpost Podcast, a proud member of Sports Drink Network. It's April 25th, 2021. This is Tom coming to you from Sawdust Studios in the Washington, D.C. Outpost. Nick joins me from the Houston Outpost. And once again, we have the NFL draft facing us. Thank goodness we've gotten through all that time. I've had my share of mock drafts. We might maybe allude to one or two during this podcast. But first, the news. Mike Tomlin signs a three-year contract. This puts him into his 15th season as coach, tying him with Bill Cowher as the second-longest tenured Steeler in history behind Hall of Famer Chuck Knoll. Any idea how long Chuck served? Like 15 years. Or no, it was probably yes. like 20, right? 15 years, yeah, like uh, 1969 to 1991. Right. What? That's that math doesn't work out at all, does it? Twenty two years. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, twenty three okay. years. I could. So yeah. I feel 23 like years. a lot of this, um, the conversations today, and a lot of the conversations at this time in the NFL season, when we're all desperate for the draft to happen so we can have some news, they get they're cyclical. Like the conversation we could have about Tomlin today will be the same one we had when they blew the game to the Raiders when Chris Boswell fell down. Everybody want to fire Tomlin. The same one we do at the end of the season when they get blown out every year in the playoffs. Like, what can we add to the conversation? Is Mike Tomlin good coach or not? We know there's a certain group of people who think he's terrible. Get him out of there. And they're always going to think that because the Steelers haven't won the Super Bowl, you know, X, Y, Z or whatever. Um, and then there's always going to be the people who think that he's uh, obviously a good coach. His record speaks for himself, himself and you're not going to really change the mind of anyone on either side. But this is why we love sports, because we don't want to talk accounting. We don't want to talk medical bills. We want to talk about Tomlin again, damn it. And I think that the conversation actually has changed slightly, and I think that we mentioned that actually after the Browns loss in the fact that my position with Mike Tomlin has always been, I think it's pretty inarguable that he's a good coach. His record speaks for itself, like we said. But the, the accounts of him being able to relate to players, it's just so much farther ahead than the next closest. There isn't another, like, player's coach. There's Mike Tomlin, and then you get into the other guys. And I think that it's, it's hard to deny his, like, he came in in a different era in the NFL. He came in when people, you know, had two wide receivers on the field, and he won a Super Bowl that way. And now he's in the TikTok era. 
And we saw what he did with Antonio Brown, keeping that psychopath under control. He continues to be able to relate to players from every generation. And the thing that I think he doesn't get enough credit for, because everyone said, you know, you could argue relating to players is fluffy, right? But he develops players. I mean, the Steelers have superstars at almost every single position on the field. And a lot of that outside the defensive backfield is homegrown. So in the interest of, of sort of segmenting this discussion up, I think that part is kind of hard to deny. The Steelers have an absurd amount of talent, and it was all homegrown. Now, the conversation for me did change a little bit after that Cleveland loss because at this point we have a massive pattern. The end-of-season collapses are absurd. Now they've happened three times in a row. Uh, There's a part in Step Brothers. Have you seen Step Brothers, Dad? It's Will Ferrell, John C. Riley. They're the man-children, and their parents make them go, get jobs and so they're interviewing for janitorial jobs mostly because that's all they're qualified for Uh, i don't really it doesn't really go in depth on how much education they finished but it doesn't seem like it was a lot um either way that's no offense to the janitorial industry i'm just saying that's literally the jobs they were applying for and so they're interviewing with a character a gym teacher a total bro played by seth rogan it's the perfect casting and this is the last interview they go through. All of the interviews have gone poorly. They're interviewing in tuxedos. They're interviewing as a team. And they cut to Rogan, and it's, they skip the interview part. They're like, let's just give you the reaction. You've seen these guys bomb enough interviews. And Rogan said, yeah, you guys seem like cool guys. <laughs> Honestly, it's a pretty good hang. Uh, it's a pretty easy gig. You just kind of clean the toilets. And, uh, yeah, when can you guys start? And they're like... Uh, Awesome, let's get it going. And they smile and they're laughing and then all of a sudden... (laughs) Seth Rogen looks up. Is that a... Is that a fart? Is that a fart? Yeah. (sighs) Touches his tongue. That's ketchup. I taste ketchup. That's a fart. Okay, now the tuxedos seem a little effed up, he says, and they get cut and they don't get the job. And that is how I feel about Mike Tomlin at this point. Now, yeah, now the Tebow loss seems a little messed up in retrospect. Eh, Now the Jaguars loss feels even worse because he does have these collapses. He does have an inability to bring any major major, uh, strategic uh, advantages like a Sean Payton or an Andy Reid, like you're guaranteed to have an instant offense. Um, I've definitely been a fan of Tomlin. I think he could be the man Uh, for a very long time because he's shown the ability to adjust through the eras but he needs um he needs help from the coordinators and he needs to adjust and and for me he finally is on a little bit of a watch uh with these major collapses if another one happens this year you got a you got a probably a bigger problem and then we'll see how he transitions through ben but uh yeah he's not perfect but i think he's it's pretty unarguable the success he's had I'm going to try my own movie allusion to you. Please. One you probably won't know. Did you ever hear of the show Happy Days? Not a movie, but a television series. Do you know who the main character, one of the main characters was? Yeah, Fonz. Okay. So the main Richie Cunningham was probably the main character. Fonz sort of grew into his role. Richie was just a clean cut kid, you know, did everything right. Richie joins the ROTC. Do you know what that is? I know a lot of things, yeah. Go be in the army. The so Navy. he's up to be captain, and he comes home. He says, "Dad, I'm you know, and I'm a candidate to be a captain." And his dad says, "Richie, 
Your men have to love you. You have to make the men love you. Cut to the next scene, and the guy who runs ROTC said, your men, if they don't hate you, you're not being a leader. I say that by way of I am not enamored of a player's coach. Bill Belichick probably is not a player's coach. Maybe he um, he supersedes everything just because of his coaching genius and, and uh, his work ethic. Right. But I put less emphasis on that now. And, you know, as I was putting this, you're talking to somebody whose opinion has evolved on Mike Tomlin. I'm not a hater. I'm, I wouldn't run him out of town. I will give him a chance to change his coaching um, you know, the, his coaching staff to see if they can do something better. He has 700, he has uh, 65% regular season win percentage, second best among active coaches, 11th in NFL, NFL history. He has all these marks he's, he's uh, setting. He, you know, potentially could be competitive with um, Chuck Knoll. If he sticks around long enough and has success. But here's what really got my attention. And I knew this, but I hadn't focused on it. The Steelers have won just three playoff games over the last 10 years. That's not good. And yeah. one of the th- what I'm starting to think is that he is great in a, if you think about sort of the, um, the mean during the average season, you're playing, you know, on average, an average team. But once you get into the playoff, you're not playing against just better players. You're coaching against better coaches, and that's where this shows up. And by the way, once you've coached for 15 years, you know some guys can overcome it, but tendencies become very obvious. And I think that's why you've got to have a lot of changes on your coaching staff so that you don't start showing your ticks. Unless you're the guy who can make those changes, which he's not. Now, let me ask you this, and I'm really glad you brought that up because that is the stat that anybody who dislikes Tomlin brings up. I'm not saying that you dislike him. I'm saying it's a really good point to make. Like, whoa, three wins in 10 years. Can you look up how many wins the other teams have had outside of Bill Belichick in those 10 years? So off, off the top of my head, I would think, okay, well, the Saints have definitely had more playoff wins, but they choke every time they get into a championship game. If you need a pass interference that, by the way, should have been a pick six – uh, a pass interference to get you in the Super Bowl. I'm like, okay, well, you, you made it too close to comfort against a team that got embarrassed in the Super Bowl. Um, so they probably have the wins. So, but then if you're a Saints fan, do you say, oh, well, he, you don't, we don't care that he wins playoff games. He can't get to the Super Bowl. What about the Seahawks? You could say, well, they've probably won more games. And then you look at the recent history, and you're like, well, not really. They've lost a lot of their games recently. They've beat a couple really bad wild card teams. They would get most of their wins in this decade in the Legion of Boom era. And before that, they weren't winning playoff games. And after that, they weren't winning playing playoff games and definitely not meaningful playoff games. Uh, the Packers would be another one. How would you feel if you're a Packers fan? You get to the NFC Championship game and get embarrassed every year, right? So like to me, I'm like, the, the New England Patriots have ruined football fans and Steeler fans in particular, I don't think you can list many people who are doing better than this. Look at what happened with Andy Reid. I mean, they were a joke in the playoffs. They lost to the Steelers who didn't score a touchdown in the game. They lost, they lost to Chris Boswell is who they lost to, right? But then you get an all world mega superstar, Patrick Mahomes, and you go to the Super Bowl two out of three years. And how much different was Andy Reid's coaching job? Or was it just easier because he had this automatic offense guy? So, I do have a little bit of a problem with that stat because I think it's 
making some indication that there are all these other teams out there who are consistently winning playoff games, when in reality, none of them are except for the New England Patriots. And even that might be over with with Tom Brady being out of town. So what I point to, because I agree with you, the players coach thing is like, well, great. So he's a cool guy. What does that get us? Well, to me, it's not about that. It's about the development of the players. Once again, I say this on a lot of the shows. Chase Claypool could be a top 10 receiver in the league. Deontay Johnson could be a top 10 receiver. Dotson, you can go back to he drafted Pouncey and uh, DeCastro. All the undrafted linemen that became stars. And everyone wants to say, oh, it was Munchak who did that. He had a big hand in that. But when Munchak was here, the yards per carry in the run game went down every single year that he was there. The, the pure number of superstars that he has helped develop and the third-round guys who have turned into household names is pretty uh, – you can compare that to other teams. There aren't a ton of teams who have that number of great homegrown players. A lot, the current strategy right now is to get a couple of those guys and then to bring in the X-Factors, much like the Chiefs did, much like uh, you know Tyron Matthew and, and, and Sammy Watkins being big additions at the end for them. Uh, the Buccaneers, we know they added half of their team. So that is more my argument for how good Tomlin is uh, with the players coach thing is like he, along with Colbert, has been able to identify and develop talent. But I do also agree at a certain point, that playoff win number does have to go up, even though it's not like the end all be all. So that's where I was at. I, I kind of officially planted a flag in the ground after the Browns game and said, okay, I am now on not red alert with this guy, but there's a clear pattern here. The one thing I'm wondering, Dad, and some people have been po- uh, postulating this recently, is the coordinator thing, why they always promote from inside and why no Steelers coordinator has ever gotten hired a- anywhere else. You know, like Haley lasted eight games in his next spot, and now he's not even in the NFL for the people who want to say Ben ran him out of town. Like the guy doesn't have a job. Do you think that the non-meddling owners of the Roonies – do you think maybe there's some meddling there and that's more of a Pittsburgh thing? Like, Tomlin, like, we really prefer if you promote from inside. Because I do – I never considered that his hands could be tied in that department. But we've been very vocal saying that's the one thing to me. If he just gets a great coordinator, he's going to be unstoppable. But do you wonder if maybe someone else is tying his hands in this or if that even really matters? It's interesting. We don't know whether they're meddling, but – You could make a good case for the fact the Steelers had this culture that ex-players who have been cut still extol their experience on the Steelers. Some come back. There's something about the culture. And if it's because the Steelers say, look, we're we're not, you know, we're going to take care of these guys. We're going to take care of our own. We're going to grow from inside. And that's part of culture building. I, I wouldn't be surprised. The difference is, you know, Dan Snyder meddled with the Redskins. I mean, could we really go for this much time, for 15 years with the Rooney's getting involved and it never, I never read a story like that. Well, those are two, well, there is a very major story like that. Ben Roethlisberger, they wanted to take a lineman and it is famously reported that Rooney stepped in and said, you need to take Ben Roethlisberger and they did it. And I always thought that's so cool because we know he doesn't meddle, but when the rubber hit the road, he's like, "Uh -uh, no, 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 no. You have to take the greatest athlete that this world is ever going to see over the history of time. So that is something that I forgot about. And then it came back up. I saw some old clip this week. And that's when I thought, yeah, there's a difference. You can still meddle and not be Dan Snyder, right? And maybe meddle's not the right word because they clearly 
excuse me, they clearly do not meddle in Pittsburgh. But I wonder if there's one thing here or there, whether it's you need to select Ben Roethlisberger or like you need to select Najee or an offensive lineman to get this run game going. You do we we just assume that the Rooneys don't do anything whatsoever with the Steelers. But I wonder with such a pattern of promoting coordinators, which goes back to Bill Cowher. And they were going to promote Russ Grimm to be the head coach over Mike Tomlin. It was reported as done before they hired Tomlin. So that does sort of be like, oh, there is a history of doing that in Pittsburgh. And I had never considered that until this week when the Tomlin stuff came up. I started thinking about it. Well, I don't think the Steelers ever made a secret that the owners were involved in, in the draft. And maybe there is even involved in free agency. We're, I'm focusing on, if, you, if we're talking about the coaching, the coaches who they retain, you would think with the contra- and I call it controversy with Feetner, you know, go back, uh, go back on all these coordinators who were just people were calling for their heads, and they and they stuck around. Yet we know, ne- so there was a lot of attention on these coordinators. Yet we never heard a peep out of the Steelers that like now Dan made the call or Art made the call. They're staying. I'm not saying it didn't happen, right. but there is no evidence of that other than you, you seem to have maybe incompetence, way overstating it, but. You know, if you have coordinators who haven't matriculated to a head coaching job, it does tell you something. Or maybe we keep them as coordinators until they're like in their late eighties and they well, <laughs> incapable they of being kept. And that was a big one. And I do think you're right. There's not a lot of evidence there, but it seemed like there was a lot of reports that taking Haley was an organizational strategy to prolong Ben's career. Because at that time, it was widely recognized, like, oh, yeah, Roethlisberger's going to play for, like, 11 years max. He, he gets sacked 90 times a, a year. Half of that is the fault of the worst offensive line ever. Half of that's the fault of he just wants to run around back there. And we need to find a way to prolong his career. And they explicitly stated that with Haley. And that sort of seemed like a team effort between the Roonies and Mike Tomlin. Um, but obviously, no complaints about the Roonies. I just was thinking about with Tomlin what we said in our podcasts following that horrible Browns loss in the playoffs. Like, if he could get a great coordinator who can help with the strategy, which unfortunately means you're probably losing that coordinator the next year or two to a head coaching job. But if they could get better coordinators uh, than Tomlin to me, it really comes down to his player development. You can say whatever you want about him relating to them. It re- it re- it results and them getting star players who they drafted or found as undrafted free agents. I give him and the organization a lot of credit for going out and getting Joe Hayden, Minka Fitzpatrick, Devin Bush, Vance McDonald, and, and advancing with the times that way. But uh, in my analysis of Mike Tomlin, I would say we got our eye on him, but I firmly, I think that he has something. If you have a coach who does one thing better than every other coach in the entire league, I think that that's worth something. And to Mike Tomlin, it's the player relation and development. Um, and so that I think that if you if you helped uh, if you get Sean Payton a defensive coordinator you're, or Andy Reid, you're really excited. And that's kind of the way I feel about Mike Tomlin. How long do you give him? I mean, you just said, uh, here's what here, here's what we may apparently. have found. <laughs> well, we may have found a ceiling, and we're saying like he's he's good enough to be in the playoffs one ever win a playoff game every third year. That's and maybe you're right. I mean, I'm sure you're right that most teams don't even touch that kind of record. But Mike may have found his ceiling with that talent because it's taking. You know, let's face it: acquiring and acquiring talent comes from a team effort through the draft and through free agency. You've got to develop them, which Mike does. 
Then yeah. you've got to esteem, then you have to do something with that talent. You've got to you have to scheme and you have to adjust. And that's the thing everybody's been frustrated with Tomlin about the scheming and the adjustment to other teams. That's missing. And maybe that doesn't come from changing your head coach. Let's face it, nobody's good at everything. It's your supporting cast. And I I, I would ask you, like, how much more time does he get? Because if you see us with an 8-8 eight and eight record this year, it could happen with this offensive line being just a patchwork. It can happen. 8-9. So, and I would not necessarily pin that on Tomlin. And the year after that, let's say Ben's gone. Now you don't have a quarter. You know, it's you potentially don't have a good quarterback. Once again, giving him sort of a pass for his record. So, you know, in a way, I could see, you know, this three years could, could extend indefinitely until like, uh, there's not a good assessment. Five years ago, he had no excuse. He had no excuse, right? You had all the pieces. That was on a lot of that was on okay, Mike Tomlin. But did you? So here's my next point: the NFL in the salary cap era is designed so that you basically have a couple year, a two to five year window, mainly a two to four max. Just think of how long the Legion of Boom lasted. The Atlanta Falcons, eighth highest scoring offense in history. Irrelevant two years later. The no-fly zone in Denver, allegedly a great defense of all time. Irrelevant two years later. The window is very slim. And when the Steelers had their most recent window, they were hit by an uncharacteristically unlucky slew of injuries. An insane slew of injuries three years in a row to their best players, the Killer Bees. And then when the Killer Bees all finally got healthy... Their other best player in Ryan Shazier. And I think there might be some people out there yelling like, oh, that's not an excuse. But is it? Look at the Super Bowl every year. It's usually the two best teams that have the least injuries. Nobody was injured for Kansas City except for who? The tackles. And what happened? What everybody said would happen. They got bum rushed and they lost that Super Bowl because their tackles were injured. The year before, they haven't had Kelsey or Hill injured for any of the three playoff runs. Can you believe that? If you're a Steelers fan, like imagine having three tries in a row with Le'Veon, A.B., Ben, and then you tack on Juju and Martavis and these guys, and they didn't have one until they got to the Jaguars year where you would like to say, well, then there's no excuse. Like, well, you lost the best defender, not just the the best defender, but like a defensive MVP type of guy in Ryan Shazier, where their defense was actually, we know it wasn't really a top five defense if you watched it, but they were doing really good things with Shazier, and then they fell off the face of the map when he was gone. So part of winning the Super Bowl and part of winning playoff games is luck. There's a ton of luck that goes into it. Look at all the Patriots runs. Gronk played in all those games. Oh, wait, he didn't play in one of them. What happened? They lost. So there's a lot of luck that goes into that, and when Tomlin built a true... Um, impressive contender. They unfortunately got injured at the worst time. Le'Veon in week 18 or week 17 in the last week of the season, you know, Ben as as well. Uh, And so those were some times that would have proven wrong this like, oh, three playoff win in 10 years. That's why stats, they need context because it's like, okay, so you wanted the Steelers to beat the Super Bowl champion without Bell or Brown and Ben playing with an injured shoulder? Like, it's different than just saying, oh, they showed up and they just blew it and they weren't there. So he had he did suffer some major unluckiness during his peak squad's few years, and then it take, you can't just run that back. They've rebuilt it. They rebuilt it to last year, and then there was a major choke. 
And last year was, a, was an issue to me because you had a lot of people available for you. You had everyone available. You will never get an argument from me. The NFL is the definition of regression to the mean. The whole system is built to get you to 500. Right. And if you don't tinker too much, you'll get to 500 just by following the pattern and drafting when, you're, when your number comes up. I will just say again, in 15 years, well, let's say what, what's it been three in the last 10 years, luck and talent and scheming all should have come together better than it did. Let's, let's just move on. I had a, a, a little moment of pride this week I wanted to tell you about. That was good, though, by the way. I, I gave a disclaimer at the front. There's like, there's nothing else to talk about with this. And I thought <laughs> it was a pretty fruitful discussion. I, I like where our stances are in Tomlin. I think we try to be realistic and say, like, we're not just the fanboy of him. Here's where he, he goes wrong, and, and here's where he goes right. And you and it really comes from, like, you have to follow the whole league. Because I love the argument. They're like, look, well, he's not doing this. I'm like, there's, the Patriots have ruined all your opinions on – on consistent success, but that doesn't mean I'm forgiving him, especially for this past one. But you're right. Uh, a good discussion there. And uh, what do you got next on the docket? So I was listening to Steelers Nation Radio this week, big morning walk, and um, they were talking about Mike Tomlin, and they were talking about his record comparing him to Bill Cower and Chuck Knoll. So Mike Tomlin now has the winningest percentage, 650. Uh, Bill Cower, 623, and Chuck Knoll was 566. Then they said, who's the fourth winningest coach by oh, percentage? I have no idea. No idea. Bill Dudley. Was he a player or a coach? <laughs> Bill Dudley. <laughs> no, it's a player. Um, I, guessed, I guessed it. You Buddy guessed Parker. It? Oh, I nice. guessed it. Nice. If, it, if I would have had to have thought about it for more than a nanosecond, I wouldn't have pulled it, but it popped into my head. And these guys, these jokers, they looked it up and they confirmed it. <laughs> However, these jokers misread. Buddy Parker had uh, a We're 52% winning Sorry, percentage. But it's uh, Jock Sutherland had 591. He has a better winning percentage than Chuck Knoll. Jock Sutherland co- coached during two years of World War II, so he had he only had uh, twenty three games under his belt. Maybe but I just going with like a, a minimum games coach. No, like no, I, I no, guarantee no. you, these no, guys okay. just didn't didn't really look it up. Wow, I like um, how hard you're 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 coming out like uh, J.C. Horn just came out talking crap about another corner in the draft class. Let's stew it up. Well, before we do that, why don't we talk about our sponsors? I have to talk about Bet Online. I just I can't get enough of them because it's that time of year and all eyes are now on Sidney Crosby, baby. Just bet on Sidney Crosby. I think that's what the Pat McAfee show is doing and it works out pretty well. I'd say you could bet on pro basketball, Major League Baseball because you can. You can bet on MMA. You can even bet on this celebrity boxing that's going on. But if you really want to have a good time, just bet on Sidney Crosby because they are at the top of the division, baby. Every sport, every game, every matchup, Bet Online's got you covered. Head to the website right now to get all the best odds, real-time updates, and the place for all your sports betting needs. That place is Bet Online. Bring home the game with Bet Online. Ching. Locker room, everybody. It's a live, audio-only sports talk platform, so get the rest of that crap 
out of my eyeballs. You bought a new pair of blue light blocker uh, eyeglasses recently? Throw them away because this is audio only, baby. It's free to download and free to use. You can talk to us. You can talk to other fans. You can talk to athletes and insiders in real time. This is really just the spot for sports junkies, which I assume you guys are if you're listening to this podcast and I think it's pretty obvious that we fall into that category as well. What I like about this this app here, Locker Room, it is kind of cool that you don't have to, um, you know, Twitter's such a great place to get information, but it invariably involves other subjects in there, which might be important, but I don't care. I'm not there for that. I'm there to melt my brain with sports news. So go to Locker Room to join in some conversations and, uh, yeah, just get that sports talk going the way you need it. All you need to do is download the Locker Room app for free in the iOS app store. Create a profile, link your Twitter. You know, Twitter is always part of it. And join the group. Locker Room. Sweet smell of success. That's not their slogan, but it should be. Alejandro Villanueva. Seen going east for a visit. The Baltimore Ravens. This is so bittersweet because it's it's um, like Villanueva, a little maligned last year, did not end the year well, but legitimately no players on the Steelers ended the year well. Every single one of them. When I try to think about it, I'm like, well, maybe like uh, maybe like Ray Ray played well at the end, and I guess Deontay avenged himself, but it was so bad that he was kind of the, he was kind of the worst one at first there. Uh, nobody played well over the second half of the year for the Steelers. So Villanueva did have a good year. He didn't even give up a sack till the end of the year. But let's be honest, him on the Ravens is kind of a really attractive idea. Like, are you, you're going to be blocking Highsmith or, or TJ in a run game offense, which is not really his bag. This is a weird signing. So I think that the, uh, the Ravens and the Chiefs just made an absolutely massive trade that I think works for both teams. Orlando Brown, does he play? Le- uh, so I'm, I'm blanking here. Is Orlando Brown a left tackle or a right tackle? Either way, this year he played, uh, I think, left, which obviously would get you paid more. Um, replacing Ronnie Stanley, I believe, who got injured against the Steelmen. Um, and Confirmed. He basically, Both. he said, nice, nailed it. Basically, he said, I'm a left tackle. So if you're not going to play me at left tackle, you're, you got to trade me. So it's not quite Antonio Brown or Jamal Adams-esque, but it is in that same region where it's like, he doesn't want to play for the Ravens. He's kind of semi-demanding a trade here. They have to get rid of him no matter what. He wants to go get paid like a left tackle. And... As we know, the Chiefs, who clearly we all should have known when they cut their two offensive starting tackles after that Super Bowl loss, like, well, they're not just having a Britney Spears shave your head moment. There must be a method of their madness. Well, there was, because now they have three pro bowlers on their offensive line because they traded for said Orlando Brown. Um, There were a couple picks that changed hands between them and the Ravens, but basically what ended up happening is the Ravens get uh, pick number 31 in the first round in addition to their other pick, which is, I don't know, like 26 or something like that. And uh, so now they have two first-round picks. And in my mind, like, yeah, take a tackle with one of those picks so you get to replace him. And the Chiefs, I think, are going back to the Super Bowl again because they have a really great line. I originally predicted, by the way, that the Chiefs would not return this year because that let down, that Super Bowl was so bad. They have to rebuild their line. I think that 
again, what I was saying before, Hill and Kelsey have never been injured in the playoffs, and I don't wish that upon them, but it just is a crazy stroke of luck that you've gone three years in a row without any of your main cogs being out. I'm like, it's going to be too hard. Well, now I've changed my mind, so this is why, because this line's incredible, and they got that from the Ravens, and now the Ravens have uh, picks galore, and they can go ahead and just replace the guy. So they are still looking for a veteran tackle replacement. So Villanueva is in the running there. Some people have reported it to be good as done. I don't know about that. Uh, But if you're the Steelers, you are not scared of Villanueva on that run-based team. It would be depressing to see him in the evil purple, for sure. We love him. He's kind of getting this unceremonious uh, exit here, which is a bummer. He's a damn hero. Uh, we lo- we're losing two heroes. We lost a- we're losing a war hero and a hero, you know, James Conner. But um, it's it, you kind of almost get excited because you're like, oh, that you're going from Brown or Orlando Brown and Ronnie Stanley to Villanueva. Like we'll take that. You know, there's a lot of talk that he may retire too. He has a lot of options in his life, and maybe even he couldn't stand it once he steps into that purple Ugh. bowl. Uh, only Har- Harrison seemed to take some joy in it, but even then, he still identifies with the with the Steeler, uh, with the Steeler way. Harrison did the Ravens, the Bengals, and the Patriots. He took the grand tour. He's really angry. Yeah. yeah. Hey, so last week we said we were going to do one more quick draft review. Yeah. Well, we kind of did. I identified a player I hadn't heard of all season only because I said, you know, what's left to look at? Kickers, we're not going to get, we're not going to replace Boswell. We got one. But you could definitely see them thinking about punter late. We, now we have extra picks. Maybe they go for a punter late. So I, I did my research and I uncovered the Maurice Jones Drew of punters. 5'11. <laughs> Eddie Lacey, but go on. 5'11. 263-pound Presley Harvin III from Georgia Tech, who just won the guy um, Ray Guy Award. Ray Guy Award. Yeah. Well, so this guy, <laughs> he he led the nation awesome. in in punts yards per punt at forty eight, and I know that you know that's not the most important thing, but it's nice to be able to punt far. He had a 45, um, 45 net average. He's a good. So punter. Long, I'll just tell that's the huh. Saying. He's good. He's really fat, and he's a good punter, and it's pretty amusing. Check it out. Check out no his highlights. Punt. It's it's more than just. There is one play where he doesn't punt, where he throws a forty-eight yard bomb for a touchdown. It's I love uh, guys like who's that. it against Boston College or something like that. Anyway, it's a great play. He's he's five eleven. All right, so take a look at him online. Steelers aren't going to draft him. They're big high-weight speed guy, but he's, you know, even at the punter position, they want an Australian rules guy. But, yeah, that's pretty hilarious. Don't you want to see him hold? Hell yes. Look what that I, looks of like. I want to see him. That would be amazing, but I'm just trying not to get too depressed. Yeah, I did watch uh, actually a couple other players. I was saying we could do, you know, like a favorite players kind of thing, but I just think we're at the point in the draft season if you guys are listening to us, I'm assuming you've listened to some other things as well. There are so many reports on these players. So we could talk about Kadarius Tony and Rondell Moore and, and Kellen Mond and guys like that. But uh, I think what's more interesting is that uh, is the Steelers' specific talk. And I have come to some conclusions on the main storylines as far as the draft goes all year. So we've all probably talked about it enough. But the running back in the first round thing. Okay? So let me... Let me put my final stamp on this conversation, on on what my opinion is. Because just the arrogance that people 
try and phrase things the way in a way that insinuates if you even think this, this is ridiculous, is non-productive and and just flat out wrong. You know, and I'd love to see those people bring back their predictions if if they weren't correct. You know, because guess what, they don't do that unless you're a great analyst like Chris Sims or something who will pull up his past failed anal, uh, you know, analyzations and make a point of them. Here's my opinion on the Steelers potentially drafting Najee Harris in the first round. And can you hear me okay there, Dad? I know that you have a new headphone set yeah, going on there. Yeah, I'm nice. good. Okay, so here it is, Dad. In a way, you can make an extremely compelling argument, like Warren Sharp has done a couple times uh, on Twitter for the Steelers fans. You can make an extremely compelling argument that you just shouldn't take running backs in the first round. I mean, when you look at the list of every running back drafted in the first round for the past, like, 20 years, Adrian Peterson is literally the only one who was productive into his second contract. Especially when you consider the guy the Steelers are looking at, Najee Harris, is old. He's 23 years old. He'll be 28 by the time his second contract came along. And when you're thinking about it from a value perspective, that's pretty crappy because you look around like, oh, wow, well, Ben's, you know, he's a quarterback, but he's been there for 20 years. Pouncey did 10 years to Castro. TJ, you got to assume, is going to be like that. You got all these stars who are going to be cornerstones of your team for many years. And even guys like, you know, well, AB is not a first rounder, but you're talking about you got incredible market value on all of those players. I mean, Ben was the only one who got market value, but like home growing them in the Steelers' way traditionally re- results in you getting unbelievable value out of uh, Hall of Fame type players. And so with the running back, it's just almost guaranteed that this guy isn't going to do that for you. He could be great for five years, and that's kind of your ceiling. And nobody has really broken that. Look at the megastars from the past years. Zeke, he's nothing. Le'Veon Bell, the chief one, we should all know that, right? But you can't even name another one. And by the way, they get injured a lot. Saquon and, and McCaffrey, they barely played last year. So it, it's, a, it's, just, it's a weird position, and the value is not there. So if the Steelers want to draft a lineman, they might be getting a guy who lasts 10 years, which would be a better value, right? And maybe with those better linemen, you can take an undrafted free agent like Willie Parker and plug him in at running back and he'll be good. Or, you know, a slow guy with really no talent whatsoever like Benny Snell, you can plug him in there and they'll be good, right? Think about... Oh, I guess D'Angelo Williams and James Conner were pro bowl running backs behind that line. And we know that Le'Veon was clearly better, clearly better running back, but you got basically the same result. So when you put all those arguments together, yes, it's hard to draft a running back in the first round. But you go a little deeper and the value isn't that simple. Is it really a first round tackle that's going to be available for you or not at 24? And I think the Steelers draft strategy right now, you have to have a strategy. Are you trying to build for the future? Or are you trying to push the chips into the middle of the table and win now? And if you draft somebody like Najee Harris, at least one thing's off the t- at least you know, okay, well, this guy is awesome. He's a three-down running back. He's exactly the measurables that the Steelers like. We know he's going to work in the system. Oh, guess what? He's an incredible pass catcher, so that helps with your new offense. The way Le'Veon helped Ben like he's just a perfect fit so it's not like etienne i might have a little bit more of a problem with because i don't we haven't seen that kind of guy succeed with the steelers before but if you're taking a second round tackle in the first round that's not value right so if the steelers are really trying to win a super bowl right now and they're thinking hey 
we can get a starting lineman at number 55, and we can get a star running back at number 24. And if they can win a Super Bowl within the five years of Najee Harris's Steeler career, and he is a star player during that time, then it's worth it to me. And I, and I think that you, you can say, oh, this has never happened, that's never happened, whatever. If that's, like, you just have to know that he's not going to be there for an extremely long time. But it might be the difference between, okay, you get a Sam Cosme, a second round, uh, Eichenberg, you know, the, the, the tackle from Notre Dame. You get one of those guys, a second round tackle, a good player, but not a superstar at his position. You get one of those guys in the first round. And then by the time you get to 55, I got news for you guys. I don't think there's a starting running back available. It's not a deep class. It's a lot of really short, fast guys who the Steelers have never figured out how to use. Um, you kind of have that already with McFarlane on there. Uh, and you might not get a starting running back. So you could get a second-round-ish type of tackle at 24, and then Benny Snell is going to be a and Benny Snell is going to be a running back for that year. Or you could get a second-round type of tackle at 55. <laughs> And, uh, you know, Najee Harris will be a playmaking running back who also helps extend the career, well, you know, the year of your quarterback with all the dump offs and stuff like that. So while I don't think it's a great value to take the running back, I don't think you can just say it's objectively dumb like a lot of people are saying. I hope that if they have the opportunity to get a true first-round tackle, if it's the, a true first-round tackle versus the running back, yes, please get the tackle because of the reasons I just outlined right there. But I don't think it's unforgivably dumb and a, a, a failure automatically if you get Terrell Davis, who played five years and was really the MVP of two Super Bowl teams and literally cemented John Elway's legacy. I wish I could disagree with you. I'll, I'll, you know, my perspective is that if you are going to get expensive cars, you need to buy the warranty. And I want my quarterback and my running backs protect well, I want my quarterback protected and I want holes open for my running back. And what we're looking at in our offensive line is so suspect. We are we are not upgrading unless we get like a Landon Dickerson or, or Creed Humphrey. Here, to your point, I'm not gonna argue. So if if the choice is get the O lineman if you have a first round quality O lineman rather than the running back. You said that I just right. want to confirm that's what you're saying. I agree with that. I mean, and I'm not even sure I'd couch this in terms of building for the future. I mean, we're not, you know, getting a first-class running back because there's not a first-round offensive lineman available. I don't think that helps you with your win first because your running back's not going to be able to run. Right. And that's that's my fear. And a lot of things are going to have to come together. Like this, this window has tightened to almost not being open. I mean, right. there's so many questions on off. Let me take that back. Right, but they think it they're op- is. They're proceeding like that. So are we guessing what? Are we guessing what the steel? Or we're going to come to guessing what the Steelers are going to do right now. This is what we think we, the strategy should well, be. They, right? They've said it. They've said. I'm just saying we have to proceed. Like okay, they've established that they think they're in the window, and that is the way they're handling their offseason moves. And that's why I think okay, well then that's how you have to judge it because value. That's really cute. It's it's almost like saying. Well, the Buccaneers shouldn't get a 40-year-old quarterback and Tom Brady. What are you going to get? One Super Bowl out of it? Like, yeah, please. That'd be great. Ben's going to need protection. Yeah. That is that to me is more key than the running back. Right, but what if it's, it's not going to touch the ball every single time? What if it's so you would take 
an average lineman over a superstar running back at 24 just because it's like, look, I, I know that he's technically not a first rounder, but the, the need for these linemen is so critical that we just have to sight unseen. We have to just take a guy, even if he's technically more like a, you know, a 30 to 50 kind of guy. Is that what you're saying? Because that's not crazy either. I would because, I mean, I'll go back to your argument. Do the, can the Steelers develop offensive linemen? I mean, yeah, Alejandro yeah. Villanueva was not, uh, didn't make a big splash. He ended up very, being a very solid left tackle for years. So, and I, and I recognize that Pouncey and DeCastro came out ready-made, but the Steelers ended up with a very good offensive line. So, yes, I think I would take, and by the way, these ratings are all, you know, between a first round and a second round. I guess you can tell most of these guys, but I still think a second round offensive lineman is still going to be above the line and more yeah, than serviceable. Exactly. I think I'd a, go a for that. Starter. Exactly. And by the way, like, really, after you get to 20 most years, the guys drafted at 20 through 32 aren't really the quote-unquote first rounders. When you think of first rounder, you really think of Devin Bush. Like uh, when we were saying in the podcast in the months leading up, it would be so great to have, but you don't have a chance. Like you're thinking of just of Justin Fields and uh, Panay Sewell, these uh, Ryan Shazier, David DeCastro, these superstar, uh, you know, can't miss <laughs> for whatever that means. Those are the real guys. But you're right. It is like what is the difference between – a, a guy at 24 and then, you know, 55. But I guess I'm just looking at the standpoint of their what's their goal in the draft, and it's to win now. And it, it in value to me is, is ridiculous. Like, people keep saying, how could the um, 49ers trade up from 12 to 3 to take Mac Jones? You don't want to take Mac Jones at number 3. And I'm like, that's not the point. The point is they need a quarterback, and they've never been they they're and they're in an amazing position, and they really like some of the quarterbacks. So they're trading up as high as they can to make sure they they get that quarterback, and they happen to like you know maybe if this is true they like Mac Jones more than Justin Fields. So why are you being cute? There's people who say like I wouldn't have a problem with Mac Jones at nine, but I really hate him at three. I'm like what. They can't just trade to nine and think they're going to get them. Somebody could pick pick them before them, or somebody could trade above them. So it is asinine when people say you, you shouldn't take them at three. But if you took them at 12, well, they're trading up to ensure they get a quarterback. Like So I, I basically, long way of saying, I do agree with what you're saying. It's like, okay, you get Eichenberg at 24. Technically, he's not the – he's not some – He's not as good at tackle as Najee Harris is at running back, but he should, the position is more important, and he should be a good starter, and now you have options on the offensive line and stuff. And that's why it is, at the end of the day, kind of hard to argue against that for the Steelers. But I guess my main point with the running back thing is, and, and I'm not saying that that's my vote, <laughs> you know, that they should go running back. I'm just saying some people are saying it's unforgivably stupid, and I don't think I would go that far. My vote, and and this might be unforgivably stupid. I just I might be if you're gonna put the chips into the table, right into the middle of the table. It's a gambling term, right? You're gonna take a gamble. We're gonna try to win right now. And if I'm taking that gamble, <laughs> am I segueing? Am I segueing? I will. I'll get there. I'm taking that gamble on Landon Dickerson, the superstar center for Alabama. 
and I toss and turn about this decision all the time, but this is the home run value you want in a player. He's a player at a major position of need, which is also on the offensive line, who could be an absolute superstar, who is a true first-rounder. It's such an easy one. It's like the Jaguars and the Jets being at one and two, like, well, they need a quarterback. And here's, you're going to get whatever, you're going to get the best quarterbacks. So that's why I love the idea of Dickerson. And to me, I'm like, if you're already risking it to win it all, do the best thing. Take the lineman, because we know you need that, but take the superstar and just hope that he doesn't get super injured. I mean, Marquise Pouncey had major injuries and, uh, and, you know, he ended up having a great career. So that's kind of the guy who I like the most. Or, or like a Caleb Farley might be a little riskier because he might not be as ready to play right away. But you lost your starting cornerback and you could be getting a literal top 10 pick at cornerback. But I think I trend more towards the Landon Dickerson. And, but if I had to bet, if I had to bet, I'd say they, they're not going to do that. They're not going to touch Farley or they're not going to touch – um, Landon Dickerson because it is, the Steelers have evolved in their thought in terms of roster building, like with the trades that we've mentioned early in the show. But I think that this might be a bridge too far, taking a risk on a guy, Landon Dickerson, who has had two ACLs and like he's coming off of surgery. But uh, I would not be shocked if they took him and I think – because he seems completely healthy. He did cartwheels, say no more. He fits everything they love to do. He's an unbelievable leader. He's just a he's a perfect fit at a position you need. And that's probably the one where I'd kind of be jumping up for joy, but then my chest will get tight all offseason, wondering if he's going to be healthy. But if I had to bet, I bet they're going with Najee Harris. And I'm going to make that bet a bet online, baby. Bet online. Best props in the game. Best odds. Real-time updates. Best interface. You can use your mobile device. You can get on the computer and play some bets there. Why don't you try something on pro basketball, pro hockey, major league baseball, celebrity boxing, championship boxing. We got a little bit of a mix of both. I think Floyd Mayweather just signed on to fight one of the Paul brothers, which could be one of the most satisfying moments in American history, seeing how that goes down. But either way, BetOnline's got you covered. Head to the website or use your mobile device now and bring home the game with Bet Online. Ching! Well, it's about to be summertime in Houston, and it's going to be really hot, and it's not fun. It's going to be really bright, and that is fun because I love the sunshine. But your retina doesn't love the sunshine if you give it direct exposure, so you better protect those eyeballs with sunglasses. And if you want to have some sunglasses, they better be stylish. They better be durable. And Canon sunglasses have got you covered when it comes to that because they use Japanese optics. Japanese optics, man. Their lenses are clearer, lighter, and stronger than other lenses and are nearly impossible to scratch. So when the Steelers are giving up 40 points... And the divisional playoff or the wild card playoff round next year, you can throw on those sunglasses to make some of the pain, you know, dim out. Even then, you still might see some of you. You're going to try and scratch your eye, claw your eyes out. You go, oh, crap, I have my sunglasses on. Well, guess what? They don't scratch, baby. Canaan's got you covered. So head to their website. Use this code. I'm going to spell the name for you right now, all right? The code is CanonCast15. That's K A E. N-O-N-C-A-S-T-1-5. Use the code and you get 15% off on your first pair of Canons. Check them out. They're great sunglasses. I don't know if this 
is going to put pressure on the draft, but we may be down another cornerback. Justin Lane gets pulled over, driving with a suspended license, speeding, and transporting a loaded firearm. A fourth-degree felony. No, I just said that, that we, we still have yet to see any kind of disposition from this. The Steelers aren't commenting, obviously, and information is still being gathered. Yeah, he sucks, doesn't he? <laughs> oh, he <laughs> shot himself in the right. foot, no pun intended. Oh, man, yeah, that's too bad to see. Uh, he didn't have, you know, he got caught with a loaded weapon and uh, blunt in the car, I believe. So, uh, you know, you... Whatever. It's just when he got drafted, the Steelers got kind of murdered for taking a super developmental prospect at a position they literally have never developed before. Okay, not literally. They slowly developed Ike and Willie Gay over the course of a decade each. But, yeah, their hit rate for corners is about the same as the Patriots and Ravens hit rates for receivers. As good as, uh, uh, like, my prepositions, my con- my contractions, my conjunctions are getting mixed up here. As good as the Steelers are at drafting wide receivers, that is how bad they are at drafting corners. And so when you draft a raw guy like Justin Lane, it's not a good sign. Then when he gets overtaken by James St. Pierre, who I don't even think was drafted last year, that's another bad sign. Then when he immediately gets arrested after the other corners in the team leave Mike Hilton and Steven Nelson. Oh my goodness, Lane, as bad as you've been, you're going to be competing for a starting job this summer. And then you get arrested. I don't think any of us are expecting this guy to ever see the light of day at this point, right? This is just another Steelers cornerback on the, on the funeral pyre. Yeah. Unlike uh, BJ Finney, who, who had to preserve himself to get his contract. And so he didn't even, I don't think he even, Lifted a weight before he, uh, you know, that whole thing about him not playing yeah, yeah. for the Seahawks. Well, about you bubble wrap yourself in between just, uh, you know, who knows what the situation was. It doesn't look good for Justin Lane. It doesn't look good. Yeah, I'm not going to go into any legal thing or firearm thing or anything like that. It's just, dude. like He's not good. Has not had a good moment yet as a Steeler. Not that I want to crowdsource this stuff, but I thought it was it would be interesting to look at some of the mocks from some of the people we follow during the year. And uh, just just compare notes to see what people's feeling is for where the Steelers are going to head. And I have to tell you, a preponderance of them are looking to take a running back. So Draft Network and Steelers Depot both are looking for Najee Harris. I don't Harris. think they're I, looking for a running back. Let me just mm-hmm. make this, co- this uh, qualification. They're, they're predicting, I believe, and, and there's so many sources saying the Steelers are going to take a running back. I don't think either one of those sites is arguing that they should take the running back. All right, let me take that back. But same, two out of the four prognosticators on CBS are looking at a running back, Travis Etienne or um, Najee Harris. But one, one sort of outlier on CBS is uh, Caleb Farley, oh. the cornerback out of Virginia Tech. Yeah. That would be wild. By the way, people, look at the odds for the Steelers picking in either an offensive or defensive player. You're going to get paid if they if you bet defensive player because odds are long on that. That Should would be, be an interesting. Easy bet too, right? Because it's right under their nose. They literally don't draft first rounded offensive players. So if they go defense, we're not going to be surprised. Hey, you know my feelings on Caleb Farley. I think most people agree he's a top ten. I mean, 
everybody should agree. He's a top 10 talent. He might be the only true elite defender in this class. Gregory Rousseau is kind of another one, the edge from Miami, and they both have these weird medical concerns. They both missed a year of football due to back stuff for um, uh, Caleb Farley. Actually, not technically. He missed a few games due to a back, and then he sat out for the COVID year because of very understandable extenuating circumstances. His mother had just died of an illness, and this was at the beginning of COVID when nobody knew exactly what the implications were, and he you know, was living with his dad at the time, and stuff. Like, he couldn't get people sick so some people conflate the two but then he did have back surgery so there's there's a lot of question marks there um and so so with with caleb farley my position on that is there's no way they're going to take him they've already said that they they don't want to take people who sat out a year even though i would hope that they would give him you know the benefit of the doubt we all know his situation why he sat out it wasn't a lack of love of football he's a complete alpha he's the only in in a ballyhooed cornerback class he's the only real superstar like, with everybody else, there's a problem. Like, J.C. Horn, a lot of people say that. He, he's probably the closest thing athletically, but just he's, he doesn't have the same explosion. He's a pass interference machine. Definitely a, a first-round corner. But, uh, you know, even Sertain, everybody knows. He doesn't have elite speed. He's going to be a really safe prospect. He'll be really good. Could be like a Joe Hayden. But Farley is the only superstar. And the reason why I don't think they're going to take him is there's just too many uh, elements that line up for them not to. Number one, he sat out, and Colbert already said, basically said, that we're going to devalue those guys because we didn't get to take a look at them, and maybe there is the implication of the, those aren't our kind of football guys there. I don't know. Then second off, he he might they're in win-now mode, and I think this draft is going to reflect that, and he, he hasn't played in a while, and he's coming off a of back surgery. So I don't think that they can plug him in right away and have him be a stud. To me, I don't care because you – you might be getting a Hall of Fame cornerback. So if if you know Dickerson, if it Dickerson probably will be there. So then if you have the choice between the two, I'm like, okay, well I'll take the guy who doesn't have the back maybe and also fits. Well, they're both pretty big positions in need, but uh, center doesn't have anybody. So maybe I'd go with Landon Dickerson there. But I would be over the moon if they took Caleb Farley because you might have a Hall of Fame cornerback there. Um, now. Yeah, that that's kind of mine. Did we mention somebody else there? So I just wanted to point out a couple of other um, guys we're picking. So Daniel Jeremiah is looking at somebody we we analyzed, Tevin Jones from Oklahoma State, offensive tackle. Yeah, and then you have um, I went back to CBS Baller. and said Josh Edwards. Yeah, Josh Edwards picked another Virginia Tech guy. And I'm not sure we focused on him. It was uh, Christian Derrissaw. We had him on our list, didn't we? The other offensive oh, lineman. Oh, yeah, he's not going to get to the Steelers at 24. Yeah, if he's there, I was surprised that's the, to that's see one of those him. Easy home runs, like oh yeah. yeah, you take the stud offensive tackle. Um, and then with uh, Tevin Jenkins, also probably won't be there, but could be there. Uh, the only thing with him, oh, so so he totally fits. He's a really good run blocking mauler beast and they're gonna want to prioritize that they've made comments adrian clem the offensive line coach has made comments to the media we need to be more physical that guy perfectly fits it only thing is they didn't check out his pro day they haven't put a lot of effort into checking him out and they've never taken someone in the first round especially in the colbert era if they haven't gone to his pro day and checked out his stuff um and it's not just COVID year. They've gone to other guys' pro days. So there's writing on the wall that says they would not take this guy. Maybe they're like, we're not touching linemen from friggin' flag football league over there. But uh, So those two I think would be very unlikely. 
But those are actually two examples of, oh, you got a very, uh, you got a bona fide first round tackle. That's a great pick. All Steelers fans should be happy if somehow those dudes slid. So the 2021 NFL schedule will be released late this year on May 12th. I think we do know the opponents. Now it's just yeah. a matter of the, the timing. That'll be fun. I, it, everyone, just the, the hipster, like, nature of football <laughs> blogging, and, and everyone's going to put out their, like, <laughs> too many people think they're funny. Like, hey, guess what? When you make the joke about schedule day not mattering at all every year, you're actually not making a joke. You're just saying exactly what everybody expects. A joke is when you set them up for something that they would expect, and then you do a misdirection. You go the other way. So spare me your tweets about, oh, if schedule doesn't matter. The schedule release is so much fun. You go through it. Nobody's getting injured. I don't care. Win, win, win. Okay, that one might be a loss, might be a loss. Putting ourselves at about 14-3 and three here. By the way, it's going to be impossible for us to get used to that 17-game schedule records. It'll uh, only be a year until the, they have 18 games. Uh, franchise tax. Um, yeah, exactly. Then we got to get used to that. But uh, I'm excited. I love the schedule release. It's great. And, and also, you're wrong. You can definitely tell a lot about a schedule. Like, I guess you probably already know if the games are home and away, if you could figure out the form, because that's just formulaic, right? But you can tell, like, yeah, I don't want to go to New England in December. It's really hard to play there. Like, oh, I don't want to go to, you know, the Chiefs. It's going to be play there. It's going to be hard even if Mahomes isn't playing. Like, that's just a hard place to play. And, yeah, there's injuries that happen, but you could probably predict with the quarterbacks, like, the odds are, oh, Russell Wilson's on the schedule. He might not be playing, but the odds are he will be playing. And the odds are if you're playing against him, it's going to be hard. So, yes, you can tell a few things about the schedule, even though there's no way you could ever predict everything that's going to happen, you know? All right, everybody, hold on. Thursday, the draft is uh, – first round of the draft begins, and they torture us for, for another two days. So what do we have? Round two and three on Friday, and we finished through round seven on Saturday. So, Nick, I assume you'll be – Fingers will, thumbs will be on the um, yep. keyboard. I'm working, well, a little bit. I'm working during a lot of the drafts. Uh, but the first round, I think I should be able to watch most of it, follow along with it. Um, my, just a little heads up for everybody out there. My favorite place to watch the draft is actually on the Bleacher Report app. I'm, they don't pay us, <laughs> but Adam Lefko hosts that show with Connor Rogers. And who's the other guy, Matt Miller or something like that? They have great draft analysis. It's a much more fun show than the national things because they can be a little bit more unbuttoned. Uh, Chris Sims used to be on that show. That's how I found out about it. You know, we're big fans. And they also get the picks in like a minute early, 30 seconds like a minute early. So you kind of get to figure out a little bit early. And that's a fun way to watch it. I would watch the streams. I'm sure Pat McAfee show, they have a stream going, I think. Uh, All that stuff's fun. So if you want to follow the draft, do that. And to me, it's been... Much more enriching way to watch the draft. Better analysis that's harder hitting. Not as much of like the media agenda getting, you know, ESPN guys are getting stuff fed into their ear that they need to cover this. They need to uh, portray things in a certain way. So I'll be following along for sure. And we will have so much to talk about next week. It's pretty thrilling. And I cannot wait. Hit us up on Twitter at Steelers Outpost. Shoot us an email at SteelersOutpost at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Until next week, go Steelers. Okay, bye-bye.
VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be.